Click now on the link in the description and get this full audiobook for free. Blessedly, as she searched the room, she didn't find any aghast stares. People's attention had been drawn by the Parshendi drummers, who were clattering through the doorway to set up. Yasna frowned as she noticed a non-Parshendi servant in loose white clothing helping them. A shin man? That was unusual. Yasna composed herself. What did these episodes of hers mean? Superstitious folktales she'd read said that misbehaving shadows meant you were cursed. She usually dismissed such things as nonsense. But some superstitions were rooted in fact. Her other experiences proved that she would need to investigate further. The calm, scholarly thoughts felt like a lie compared to the truth of her cold, clammy skin and the sweat trickling down the back of her neck. But it was important to be rational at all times, not just when calm. She forced herself out through the doors, leaving the muggy room for the quiet hallway. She'd chosen the back exit, commonly used by servants. It was the most direct route, after all. Here, master servants, dressed in black and white, moved on errands from their bright lords or ladies. She had expected that, but had not anticipated the sight of her father standing just ahead, in quiet conference with bright lord Meridas Amaram. What was the king doing out here? Gavilar Colin was shorter than Amaram, yet the latter stooped shallowly in the king's company. That was common around Gavilar, who would speak with such quiet intensity that you wanted to lean in and listen, to catch every word and implication. He was a handsome man, unlike his brother, with a beard that outlined his strong jaw rather than covering it. He had a personal magnetism and intensity that Yasna felt no biographer had yet managed to convey. Tirim, captain of the king's guard, loomed behind them. He wore Gavilar's shard plate. The king himself had stopped wearing it of late, preferring to entrust it to Tirim, who was known as one of the world's great duelists. Instead, Gavilar wore robes of a majestic classical style. Yasna glanced back at the feast hall. When had her father slipped out? Sloppy, she accused herself. You should have checked to see if he was still there before leaving. Ahead, he rested his hand on Amaram's shoulder and raised a finger, speaking harshly but quietly, the words indistinct to Yasna. Father, she asked. He glanced at her. Ah, Yasna, retiring so early? It's hardly early, Yasna said, gliding forward. It seemed obvious to her that Gavilar and Amaram had ducked out to find privacy for their discussion. This is the tiresome part of the feast, where the conversation grows louder but no smarter, and the company drunken. Many people consider that sort of thing enjoyable. Many people, unfortunately, are idiots. Her father smiled. Is it terribly difficult? For you? he asked softly. Living with the rest of us? Suffering our average wits and simple thoughts? 
Is it lonely to be so singular in your brilliance, Yasna? She took it as the rebuke it was and found herself blushing. Even her mother, Navani, could not do that to her. Perhaps if you found pleasant associations, Gavilar said, you would enjoy the feasts. His eyes swung toward Amaram, whom he'd long fancied as a potential match for her. It would never happen. Amaram met her eyes, then murmured words of parting to her father and hastened away down the corridor. What errand did you give him? Yasna asked. What are you about this night, father? The treaty, of course. The treaty? Why did he care so much about it? Others had counseled that he either ignore the Parshendi or conquer them. Gavilar insisted upon an accommodation. I should return to the celebration, Gavilar said, motioning to tear him. The two moved along.